0: church. One more time. Can you give it up for Jesus this morning? Come on one more time. Make some noise for Jesus. We like to say it this way, that Jesus is our message. So every Sunday, every Sunday, uh, we make an effort to make a big deal about Jesus because he is the reason that we're here and we're so thankful for this opportunity that we get to gather uh, in this way. And listen, if you're new here, we are excited that you're here. And thank you so much for coming uh, to hang with us today. And if you are new here, we have been, before I say that, I do want to double back uh, on Mother's Day, second time in one service. Mother's Day is coming. And I also want to let you know uh, about belong groups. Belong groups are our small groups here at the church. And uh, we actually have, if you're interested in leading a group in our summer season that's about to kick off, uh, after this service, you can stop by our pathway room and just see what it's about, see what that will look like. And uh, you said, well, I don't know about that. Well, listen, wh- what are some of the things you like? That could be uh, your group. Now, other people got to like it, too, but uh, start there if that's what you like. Uh, perhaps others would join you in that. So just attend the interest meeting uh, after uh, service today. We'll have child care available and some refreshments uh, as well. Uh, but excited about that kicking off. And also... Yes, we've been in a collection called The Way. If you're new here, this is your first Sunday. And we speak in collections here at the Becoming Church, basically sermon series, things of that nature, where we take a thought and we just kind of run with it for a number of weeks. And uh, this is actually the final week of our collection called The Way. And the goal of The Way has really been for us to answer this question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow the way of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? Because oftentimes you hear that term and you may say, but what does that mean? really mean? Is it church attendance? Is it is it because I give? Is it because I serve? And here's where we have landed is that following Jesus means we want to accomplish these three things. We want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. Here's, here's how we can break that down further. So the word for disciple, which we are disciples of Jesus, a better word for that is apprentice. An apprentice is someone who wants to Become like the one that they are apprenticing under. And so uh, take an electrician, for example. If you want to become a master electrician, you apprentice under electrician an electrician. Why? So what does that mean? You need to be with them, to become like them, and ultimately to do what they do. And that's the same way for us as followers of Jesus. So we've been looking at that. when you look at the life of Jesus, he gave us these practices to follow ways that he lived, and some of those are the practice of silence and solitude. Oftentimes you saw Jesus getting away and just being silent, just being in solitude, the practice of prayer, in the same way Jesus went away uh, to pray, the practice of fasting, right, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and we've been looking at different practices. Some of the ones we've looked at is faith, the practice of faith, and last week we talked about the way of faith. Uh, The prior week, The Way of Surrender, and then we kicked it off, uh, The Way of Jesus, and just kind of giving a broad overview of what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus. Well, today, we're going to close it out, having this conversation, uh, The Way of Community. And uh, to help lead us off in that uh, conversation, we're going to be coming from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to stand uh, with me to honor His Word uh, as we kick off the conversation today. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And you can flip with me there, scroll with me there, or you can join up here on the screen. But it, it reads this way, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. the people and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved let's pray father we're grateful and thankful for this moment thank you for this time and space that you allow us to connect here and gather around your word and lord i pray for the next few moments that you open up our eyes allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us incline us lord i pray god that every distraction is removed God, that we're not concerned about yesterday or tomorrow, but we're focused on this moment right now with you. God, make us aware of your presence. Lord, we we need you. Desperately, we need you. And so, Lord, as your servants, we say, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Family. I have come to the realization that the things that as a kid that were heartbreaking to me are the things at this age that are the best things you can tell me. Here's what I mean. As a child, if you said, we're going home and you're going to your room, I'd have been crying all over the place. I just would have been disappointed. Now, if you tell me you're going home and you go in the room and say, "Well, we waiting on start the car. We got to get going." <laughs> like people underestimate my desire to go home. I just love to just go home, be home. I don't have to do anything, see anything, nothing. Just just home, right? Give me a cup of coffee, some office reruns, and we're we're good. Because uh, contrary to popular belief, I am an introverted person. I recharge alone. I just I could be alone and, and just enjoy that and have a great time and nothing sounds better to me than sometimes just hanging by myself and being alone. But how many of you guys know that's not good to live that way? That's not good to stay that way. While that may sound good, it's also true that everything that sounds good to you isn't actually good for you. That we're not supposed to live alone. That we're not supposed to be in isolation, but we're supposed to live in community together. But some of us, we um, reject the idea of community, doing life together with others because community takes work. I mean, anybody agree with me that? Like, community is work. How many times have you tried to put the plans together and you get right there and it fails? And you say, I ain't going through all that again. We made all the plans and said we're going to take the trip and nobody put down the deposit. (laughs) (laughs) It happens, it happens. But community is work, but can I tell you, it's worth it. And here's the thing about community. Oftentimes with community, we're waiting for others to make the first move, but we got to be the ones to initiate. And you say, well, I'm always initiating. That's okay. Maybe just that one time, maybe on the 10th time, the 11th time, you won't have to. But we were not designed or created to live alone, but we were created to live in community. And when we look and looking at this from a church perspective, because at the Becoming Church we value community. In fact, part of our vision it says, "Belong to community," and so we don't want to live isolated lives, but we want to live together lives. And so, you know, when you think about something, you you think, okay, let's go back to you know the original, like when when to the beginning to see how do we get where we are. And I think that would be prudent for us to do this in terms of the church. So. What did the church do at the very beginning, and how can we apply that today? And it's important to do that because things get lost over time, right? This idea of community isn't new. Community uh, began over 2,000 years ago when we saw the church birth. But there can be things lost in the process. So, like, for example, I once heard of a story uh, where a little girl asked her mother, like, hey, uh, so I see every time you make the, cook the ham, why do you cut the ends off? And she says, well, I don't know. I saw my mother do it that way, so I do it the same way as well. And so then the little girl went to go ask, Grandma, Grandma, why, do you, why did you cut the ends of the ham off? And she says, well, I don't know. That's the way I saw my mother do it. So then the little girl goes and asks, Big, big Mama, Big Mama, why you cut the ends of the ham off before you cook it. And she goes, child, I ain't ever have a pan big enough to put the ham in, so I just cut the <laughs> ends off to make it fit. <laughs> so we can start doing things that we don't even know why. So we're going to be a church community, and we're going to live in community effectively. Let's look at the early church to see what did they do so that we can apply it to our context uh, today. And if you're taking notes, which I want to encourage you to do that, you can t- entitle this message The Way of Community. And to help you follow along, you can download the TVC app. It's available in Google Play or uh, obviously Apple as well. And once you download it, get to the bottom, you can click Connect. And right at the top of that page, uh, you'll see the notes right there where you can track uh, but to give a little context to our text, Acts chapter 2, it lays out the very beginning of what we call the church, and it does so in three ways. First, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, fills believers gathered there in Jerusalem in the upper room, equipping them with the ability to preach and teach the gospel and to live the life that we've been called To live, right? So they've been filled with the Spirit of God and now they have the equipping, the ability, the the empowerment to live a Christian life and also to teach. Secondly, Peter himself, he preaches and he uses Old Testament prophecy to show that Jesus is indeed the Jewish Messiah uh, that the prophets talked about. And then lastly, people believe. Like, listen, the church exploded. Like, Peter preached and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. People repented. People were, were baptized. People trusted Jesus and began living for him. Like, you talk about revival, it was absolutely revival. And it's from those moments and from those three distinct things that we see the beginning of the church. And while we're talking about this idea of church I want to bring some clarity to what church is because, you know, oftentimes we use language like, hey, I'm about to go to church. I'm headed to church. Meet me at church. See you at church. I'm inviting you to church. But I think we might need to change or we do need to change our vocabulary because we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. That all of us in this room, this right now is the church gathering, right? Because church is not about a building, but church is people now we use a building building just becomes a tool for the church to gather but church is so much more than a building look at what paul says in 1st corinthians 6:19 he says do you not know that the body that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god what does that mean the moment you say yes to jesus the holy spirit now indwells in you That the Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you, lives in you. So now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. Are you tracking with me this morning? And here's what I love about the church is that it's not simply a place to go to, but it's a community that we get to belong to. And I love that I look around this community and I see all of us in here this morning and we all have our differences and and we all have different stories, different backgrounds, but yet we can come together united under one thing, which is the cause of Christ. And let me say this about those differences. I don't bring the differences up just to say, man, we're different and we need to change that difference so that we're all the same. No, here's what people mistake about unity. People often think unity equals sameness, but unity is not sameness. No, unity is saying we have all of our differences, all of our stories, all of our backgrounds, but we're united under the name. Jesus, Because here's the thing about the differences. The differences are the many unique ways in which the Lord has put his design on us. And so Genesis tells us that we're created in the image of God. So when I look at you, I see God's image. When I look at you, I see God's image. When I look at you, I see God's image. The way you sing, that's God's image. The way you sing, the way you talk, it's the image of God. So it's nothing to change, but it's something to celebrate because it is an expression of who God is. And when we gather together, we celebrate those differences under the name of Jesus. Are you tracking with me this morning? So we don't shy away from our differences, but we embrace them because they point to the intentionality and the uniqueness of God. And I believe this, family, that if we pull back some layers, that we can actually see that we have more in common than we don't. Because oftentimes people want us to focus on what is different about us instead of what is the same about us. But we have more in common than we don't. And as we practice the way of Jesus, one of the practices that Jesus modeled out for us so well was community. In fact, you see Jesus at a wedding in John 2. Now, if you're married in here and, and if you had a ceremony, you were very meticulous about who you invited to that wedding. One, because it cost and because there was a per plate on the reception, and because of that per plate, you want to understand the person that you were inviting out to the wedding. Because you wanted to use that money well, Meant you want people there that you really wanted there to celebrate, right? So Jesus made the list. He was invited. So that meant he was good to be around. He was good people. He was fun. He was Exciting because sometimes we think following Jesus means we got to walk around with a non-stop stank face. Y'all know the stank face. just like you, you didn't smell. I'm so holy. Your face, fix your nose, man. What's wrong? <laughs> but Jesus got invited to a wedding. So I don't think he walked around with the stank face all the time. He, he obviously had disciples, right? But he also had friends. He hung out with Lazarus, Mary. And Martha, in fact, when Lazarus got sick, Martha and Mary sent a message like, yo, the one you love is sick. Get over here and help him out, right? So Jesus was obviously in community. It's my point. And here's the thing. If we're going to fulfill, if we're going to be followers of Jesus and fulfill the mission that God has commissioned us all on, we must understand that we don't fulfill that mission in isolation, but we fulfill it in community. Can I say this? If there is anything that God has called you to, God has called you to is going to require others. You can't do it alone. You may be the primary thinker of it. You may have received a vision for it first, but in order to see that vision, see that thing, that dream that God has placed in your heart, you're not going to do it on your own. You're not going to be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's a myth that doesn't happen. It's going to require other people around you who who are believing in you, who are praying for you, who are encouraging you, people who have the missing thing that you need to make the thing happen, right? We need others. We can't do it alone. So you can't go back in the house and shut the door. You can't say ignore them, forget them. I'm gonna figure it out by myself. You can try, and you it may take you 20 years, but if you got outside of your box and your bubble, what will take you 20 years will take one year if you are willing to partner with people and live life in community. Because community is worth it, community. It's the way that we were called to live. Community is an expression of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so on this whole idea of community and looking at the church when it was birthed and how they lived something that I see in scripture, it says that they were a community that was devoted. Because remember, community is work. And if you're going to face the work that community is, it's going to require Devotion is going to require you to be devoted. And devoted means uh, to be committed, to be all in, to take on a level of responsibility for the success of something. And so if we're going to have true community as a local church here in Huntsville, Madison area, just like the early church did in the book of Acts family, then it's going to start with us being devoted to the things of God. Not devoted to our ideas, our concepts, our ideologies, our things that we, you know, imagine or conjure up. No, we've got to be devoted to the things of God. And so as we look at the early church, let's pause and let's look at what were the things that they were devoted to. And that's where we're going to pull some observations from today. And I got to do that really quick in like 15 minutes pretty much. The silence was like, you better I love it. Here's the first observation. Community is devoted to Scripture. Community is devoted to Scripture. Here's my question. What value do you place on Scripture? What value do you ascribe to the Word of God? Do you see Scripture as a collection of suggestions, or do you see it as a guide to living a life that God desires us to live? Right? Because it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So not to their own idea, not to their own agenda, but to the apostles' teaching who were hearing from God, who were in connection to God, who had been filled with the Spirit and now are teaching the Word. They devoted themselves to the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says this, all Scripture, and you know, you can look at all in whatever language you want to look at it. You know what it means, all. Yep. All scripture is God-breathed. So not some of it, but all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in godliness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I think it's, it's prudent for us to make a habit, in a, a, a spiritual discipline of diving in God's word every single day. And one of the things that often says I don't have time, but there is time. Absolutely, there's time. But there's the there's the 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 idea of what are, are we going to devote ourselves to? Because I know I've got I've got time to scroll, because every week the app tells me how much time I spent on my phone. So I, it's clear I have time. But what I've got to discover is what am I willing to devote myself to? And you can and you can put in place. Easy things to help develop that habit in your life. That before you touch your phone, before you open any kind of social app, that you get your word and you read. Start small. I don't care if it's a verse a day. Start somewhere and allow that muscle to develop, and you can see that increase over time. But sometimes the reason why we don't begin is because we're looking at the whole picture. But all you have to do is stop trying and start training. So I'm training myself by saying, I'm just going to read a verse a day before I pick up my phone, before I open that app. And you could do it around the things that you love to do. Do you get coffee in the morning? So go make your coffee, sit down, read that one verse, and pray, and thank God, and then leave the house, right? So it's taking the time to devote yourself to that, to develop the habit. Because the early church, they believe that in order to truly follow the way of Jesus, that they must follow his teachings. Because listen, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. But it's not Jesus is the way, and then whatever, I want my truth to be, and then he's the life. Right? No, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So we have to hold tightly to the truth that Jesus is. Because if we're going to be followers of the way of Jesus, we must be followers of his words. And we can't see his words as suggestions. But we have to see them as a way of life that we put into practice. That's why he says in Luke uh, 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. In other words, you don't put into practice what I'm teaching. So he's calling us to be people who put it into practice. But here's the thing. You can only put into practice what you've been in. So if you haven't been in the Word, you can't practice the Word. So you've got to be in the Word. You can't go to the ATM and say, let me get $500 and $300 in there. Right? Right? You got to put the money in there in order to withdraw the money out. And in the same way, you got to deposit, you got to hide the word in your heart so that you won't sin against him. And so the only way to know the word is to be in his word. And oftentimes we're like, man, I need a word from the Lord. I need to find the prophet. I need to find the man and woman of God. I need a word for my life. And the Lord is like, if you would get in the word, you won't have to go hunt a word because you've been a person dedicated to scriptures. You've been in the the word. You want a word from the Lord? Open up the Bible and you can see what he has already said because anybody else that has anything to say, if it's truly a word from the Lord, it can only be what he's already said. If it's not, you should run and run fast, right? So you don't have to run from conference to conference, place to place, church to church. You can just get in the word and see what Jesus is saying, here's the point that I'm making. We can't divorce the words of Jesus from the person of Jesus. Because we'll have this perspective that says, you know what? I love Jesus, but whoo, whoo, some of his teachings I don't agree with. Some of the things he says, I'm not down with. And I'm not with that, what he's, what he's talking about. But I love Jesus. You know, he's my Lord and Savior, WWJD. What would Jesus do, right? We're all about that. But we don't want to hold tightly to his word. And I think I think so. When you look at the early church, they said the way to follow Jesus is to devote themselves to his word. But here, and they held it in high high standard. But here's what I'm afraid of is I don't I don't think we're doing that anymore. I think I think we go to culture first to determine if we can adhere to the word of God. So the word of the Lord says this. But we check and we say, culture, what do you say first? We not doing that? Okay, then I I can't can't adhere to that part. Because if I do that, that that might actually get me canceled. Because culture says I shouldn't have that perspective. Culture says I'm someone who pushes hate if I believe that. Culture says I'm someone caught up in some religious fairy tale if I believe that. And so we go to culture first and then then we'll, we'll figure out if we will adhere to the word of God. Or, let me just level with all of us this morning. We'll go and we say, well, let me see. What did, what did the Republicans say? Then I'll figure out if I'm going to apply that. What did the Democrats say? Then I'll figure out if I'm going to apply the word of God. Okay, what, what does my blackness say? And then I'll figure out if I'm... What, what, what does my, my whiteness say? And then I'll figure out if I'm going to hear to that. What, what does my ethnicity say? What does my community says? What does my culture say? And then I'll... That's not what it is. That's not what it is. We must adhere to the full counsel of the word of God because your ethnicity, your culture, your background, it is not bigger Than our God, it is not bigger than the image in which we have created in. If you go read the book of Ephesians, it begins from from chapters 1 to 3 where Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus because of all the things that they've gotten caught up in. And you can go and count how many times in just the beginning that he's using the words in him. Because what he is reminding them of is that if you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, that is bigger than your ethnicity. That is bigger than whatever community you belong to. That is bigger than what your income is because your identity is not found in your ethnicity. Your identity is found in him. It's found in Christ, who I am, is so much more than I'm black. Who I am is that I am a child of God, I am a son of God, and I've tried my best to hide my life in Christ. And when people look at me, I want them to see the Christ in me more than anything else they see because that is the only thing, that, foundation that I can stand on that's going to last. But it's not a popular message to preach or to communicate, because the world would use these things to try to divide us, and they were never intended to be that way. Why? Because remember what I said earlier? We celebrate the differences because they are intentional and unique ways in which the Lord has designed us. And so then, when we put all of our effort into those ways that he's designed us, then we are making an idol of the way that we have been created and highlighting that more than the one who created us. We are in Christ, but it's the scriptures who tell us that. And it's the scripture that gives us the blueprint for the way of living. Are y'all with me this morning? John chapter 1, check it out. In the beginning, this is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when you see this right here, it just seems like a simple sentence. But you look at the word, word is capitalized to insinuate. This is talking about a person here. In the, pers- in the beginning was who? It was Jesus. This is what it's saying. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. So remember that whole thing about we can't divorce uh, the, the words of Jesus from the persons of Jesus? It's because they're one and the same. Jesus is the word. And you, so we can't separate him from what he said because Jesus is the word. Drop down if you need somebody that's like, I don't know about that. You're lying. Look at John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who is that? That's Jesus. So we can't divorce the words of Jesus from the person of Jesus. Because to disregard the teaching of Jesus is to disregard the person of Jesus. We got to hold tightly to the full counsel of the word of God. And so here you see the church Birth, the beginning of the church. And what do they do? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And secondly, here's what they also did. They devoted themselves to fellowship because community is devoted to fellowship. That's our second observation. You, know, you look at Acts 2, verse 42. It tells us that they were devoted uh, to fellowship. And the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, And it means this, sharing in common communion. And you can say it this way. It's to share your life with others. So here's a question I have for all of us this morning. Who are you sharing your life with? Right? Like for real, for real, like who knows you? Like the real you, not the curated you that's on social media. Because my life is curated on social media. I try to present it well and it's true and it's authentic, but it's curated. Meaning this, all right, let me. Yesterday with our three year old, it was a day. Like it was, we were pretty much in the house most of the day yesterday and she didn't take no nap. And it was a day. And I remember looking at Katie and I was like, this this might this might be her her worst day. It might. <laughs> I felt bad saying it, but I was like, this is rough. But I didn't post that. But when she come up to me, she give me a hug. And she smiles. She, you know, she has her outfit on, and she's proud of it. And she say, take my picture, Daddy. I'll post that one. But well, I didn't post how when I picked her up from the tantrum at home, she slapped me in the face. I didn't say, my child slapped me in the face today, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody shares that. So meaning, who are you sharing the fact that your <laughs> child slapped you in the face, right? Are, you, are we only sharing our curated lives? We need people that we are sharing like the real us. Why? Because we need people who are standing with us, who are praying for us, who are believing in us. And it's not that their presence is going to change what you're walking through, but it's to know that I've got somebody with me through this difficult moment. That's why, that's why you know, in the loss of a loved one or just a difficult situation, you don't need to say anything. Like oftentimes people approach that moment and they want to say so much. You don't need to say anything, but just your presence, being there, just knowing that you're there and that somebody is with you. So in order to have that support and have that, we have to share our lives with people. Now, that don't mean everyone. There's wisdom. Some of us, we share our lives on Facebook, and i be, Lord Jesus, somebody somebody got to love them to tell them to stop You know what I mean? We did not need to know that. But you got to have people close to you that you can share your life with, to believe in you, to pray for you, to encourage you. And that's why we believe in belong groups so much at the church because those are opportunities for that. Because Sunday is only an expression of what community looks like. It's not the full thing. The Sunday morning experience should really just be an extension of what's been taking place Monday through Saturday. So then when we come together on Sunday, it's just a celebration of all the things that's been happening through the week. But life has been happening on Monday through Saturday. And so now when you when you get that call about the transition of the job or whatever, you can go to your belong group and say, yo, this is what I need y'all to pray for right now. This is this is how I need you guys to stand alongside of me and believe. But if you come in and come out, you miss that opportunity to do that. And can I just can I say this this moment, y'all, um, still be okay with me afterwards? A lot of times, nobody responded. A lot of times, um, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, I'll sit across from people and I'll just listen and hear their heart. And you can still tell me I'm not telling nobody. I'm not mentioning any names, okay? But. <laughs> They'll say, "You well, I just couldn't connect there, and and I just I tried." Or and and my thought is like, "But did you try? Did you did you really try?" Because oftentimes the whole community is work part. We'll say, "Well, no one came up to me and talked to me first, so then I didn't want to stay there anymore." But did you go talk to somebody? Did you go say hello? Did you go introduce yourself? And sometimes we will say. Man, that church was just so much like a clique. And listen, there are times and and moments where that happens. But sometimes, could we be mistaking community for a clique? Meaning, no, the people that you see, they're serving together. They're they're in belong groups together. They're hanging out together. But they're more than welcome. Because we say it here at the Becoming Church that we don't want to be a circle that faces inward. And so we're only looking at ourselves, but we want to be a circle that looks outwardly and says, who's not in the circle and how can we pull them in? But you have to be willing to come in. You have to sometimes be willing to, to, to take the next step and to partner and connect and jump into community. So sometimes we got to evaluate, well, was it really clickish, or did I not take the next step to try to be a part of community? And listen, try it. Sometimes it's okay to go grab lunch or dinner with that couple and leave and say, we ain't, we're ain't, we not doing that again. <laughs> it's okay. But at least you tried it. And the next couple you go to lunch or dinner with, you say, we found them. We found the one. But you only get that experience when you try. So you have to try. So when the groups open up, jump in a group. It, it may be a hard fall. But jump in it and try it. And if you didn't like the group, then guess what? Next time when they say we're gonna host an interest meeting, you go to the interest meeting so you can host your own group and get people to join you in it. Group's a big deal here. This past spring season, we had nearly 200 people that were connected in a group in some kind of way. And I'm not talking about 200 people counted multiple times, because you gotta watch them pastors and how they be counting. You know what I mean? <laughs> but these are, it was a 190, because y'all even saw how to say that, nearly 200 people. You see what I'm saying? So you think about the two more than the 190. That's a little inside trick. But it was 190 people that were in some kind of way connected in a group. And that is fantastic. That is amazing. And we want to see that number grow because I believe this, that the greatest way, that you can connect to the Becoming Church is to be in a group. Like more than Sunday morning. You're like, are you saying more than Sunday morning? Yes, more than Sunday morning. Because I want you to have support. I want you to have people that you're doing life with, that people, people you know that you can trust and pick up the phone and say, I need you to believe. I, I want to celebrate. My kids graduating, whatever happened, we just had a baby, whatever it is, I want to celebrate this moment with, especially in this city. Many of you are not from here. And so family is way away. And so you need your family of choice right here in this community so that you can find your people, find your place, and ultimately find purpose. We need community. And here's an idea. Make it happen around food. You're like, man, this is not very spiritual, but it actually is. Because oftentimes we think practical isn't spiritual, but it is. And When we look at the life of Jesus, something that he did often, which is called table fellowship, he was at the table with people. But he was at the table with all kinds of people. That's why he disrupted things. And that's why the Pharisees couldn't stand them, because he would sit at the table with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, and those that were deemed socially unacceptable. But then in the same way, he would sit at the table with people who we would call socially acceptable But by another group, we didn't like that group. Meaning he said this, whether this group, whether you like them or they don't like you, I'm saying this, that we all belong at the table. That we can all sit, gather, because why? we have more in common, than we do not. So let's figure out the things that we don't, but we can first look at the things that we do have in common. And even you look at Jesus had what? He had the last supper. Sharing a meal. Communion together. But then you look at later, after his resurrection, what do you find him doing? Cooking breakfast for the disciples. So while you think that moment of sitting around a table is not spiritual, it is a spiritual, holy moment. And oftentimes the best moments of your life and the greatest memories probably happen around the table. Side note. If your kids are still with you in the house, can I encourage you to get back to the table and push the devices away? A thing that I, we have we are aiming with our family is that there are no devices and that there's no TV on because we need to sit at the table and I need to know how was your day? I need to know the challenges you face. I need to know the wins. I need to be able to impart lessons in that moment because those moments around that table are going to be moments that they're going to take with them long after Katie and I are gone because those moments are going to instill some things to them. And I know that's difficult, but let that- Let's make dinner around the table and not in the backseat of the car. So whatever we need to do to change our schedules and rhythms, let's find nights of the week that we can gather around the table absent of a device and TV. Here's the last thing. I said I needed only 15 minutes and I'm five over and I guess that's why y'all laughed. But I'm about to land this plane. Micah, if you come help me. Here's the last point. Community is devoted to prayer. Our heart here at the Becoming Church is that we'll be a house of prayer. Mainly because this is what Jesus instructs us. He says in Mark eleven seventeen that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Because listen, family, a community that isn't devoted to prayer is a community that lacks the power and the ability to make a difference. Power has to be, you ever had like a, a dish and you ask somebody like, what did you put in this? And they say, oh, that was just a little bit of some spice because I don't know spices. I'll been make something up here. That's not a thing. That's it. That was it. And it was the difference. Or if you had a dish and you say, what did you not put in here? Oh, I forgot, I can tell. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Prayer is that spice. Prayer is the difference maker. If you want to see a difference be made in your life, pray. If you want to see a difference not made in your life, don't pray. Look at what Ian Bound says. God shapes the world by prayer not by thoughts not by I was not by I didn't get to but God shapes the world by prayer he goes on to say this the secret of success in Christ's kingdom is the ability to pray and we believe in the power of prayer here James would say that's the prayers of the righteous that avail much because prayers are powerful. Prayers make a difference. Because when you pray to the Lord, you're not praying to some thought or some idea in the sky. But you're praying to the creator of the universe, the creator of it all. And so prayer makes a difference. He's the one that hung the moon and said, moon, you go over there. Sun, I want you to cheer right here. Water, you can only come this far. He's separated day from night. We're praying to the creator. So it's just not an idea. It's just not a thought. So we believe in the power of prayer. You guys don't even know this, but in our 9 a.m. and also in our 10.30 a.m. service, we have people who are dedicated to praying in the moment while service is happening. And it's shifting things, and it's changing things, and it's opening us up to just the presence of being aware of the presence of God in unique and powerful ways. We have a team of people who dedicate themselves to prayer praying for you, for this family, for our nation, for our world, for our local community. In fact, every morning at 6.30 on Wednesday, excuse me, every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., we have a prayer line that is open and available for anybody to connect to. And we're going to make it available for you to, to connect with the information uh, this week. In August, we're going to kick off August in the first week with 21 days straight dedicated to prayer. We're beginning new in August as well. Every third Saturday, we're going to be meeting right here at the school for one hour to pray. What is the agenda? To pray. What are we trying to say? We believe in the power of prayer. And Here's the thing. When God says pray, he offers it with a condition. He says, if my people will, then I will. So oftentimes, the change that we want to see, the things that we are believing for, is on the condition of if we're going to pray. So God says, if you pray, then I will. And prayer, sometimes we don't do it because we see prayer as this big old thing. But prayer is so simple. When you break it down to bite size, you get up in the morning in a simple 10-second prayer. Before you get in the car, another one. When you're on your lunch break, another one. Before you're in your lunch break, another one. On your way home, another one. You see, there's so many moments that if we slow down and we're intentional, that we're in constant communication with the Lord. So then when Paul says in Ephesians 6 to pray, I believe it's Ephesians 6, to pray without ceasing, you say, how do we do that? It's to say, I'm going to be aware of the moments and I'm going to offer up a prayer to the Lord, a prayer of thank you, a prayer of, of, of supplication, a prayer of intercession, a prayer of confession, of just taking time and moments to pray. But here's why some of us, We don't put into practice the habit of prayer. It's because we see it as an empty transaction. Because oftentimes when you pray, it's like, that's it. Like, if I go to the store and I pick up something that I want, and then I go to check out, I have that item. And then I give them the money, and then I can walk out with that item. But oftentimes in prayer is I pray, and then it's like, well, what? And so we feel that it's an empty transaction. But here's the thing we need to understand about prayer. Prayer doesn't have an expiration date. Prayer don't expire like the milk does. And can I say this? That some of us, many, all of us in this room... We are the result of prayers that do not expire because you got some praying mothers, you have some praying fathers, some praying grandmothers, some people that pray for you when people thought that you would never change your life around. It was the power and the commitment of their prayers that have led you to this place today. So I don't stand up here because I was that good and because I wanted to love him and serve him, but I had some praying, I had a praying father and mother that believed in their son to walk in the call of God for their life because I didn't want to do this but because of their prayers and my willingness to obey God I stand here today and so what I'm saying here I'm not here because of what I wanted to do I'm here because some prayers didn't expire the reason why you are alive is because those prayers did not expire you have not gotten to where you got because of your own intellect or your creativity and wittiness it came from the Lord, but it was the seeds of prayer. What kind of seeds can you lay today? Are you looking generationally? Are you looking three generations out? Parents in this room, pray for your children. I don't care how rough it gets. I don't care how difficult it gets because it's just not the now that you're contending for, but you're contending for the generations beyond. God operates in three He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about Jacob. Think about the next generation and the ones to come. Lay the seeds of prayer because it does not have an expiration date. And who cares if you don't get to see it? Abraham didn't see us. But we are the children of many. We are the ones of many nations that the Lord promised to him. And so he didn't see it, but he didn't walk in it. But we are the result of it. So you pray and you believe God. And I don't care how rough it gets and you could die and never see it. But you better believe that one day somebody's going to walk in the living, the goodness of the living of the Lord. Because the land of the living of the Lord, there it is. Because of seeds that you have sown. So I refuse to give up on praying and believing God for his best. Whether I see it or not, because I know those seeds are not just being sown into some place that would never reap a harvest. The reason why some of us don't reap is because we never sow. So you have to sow so that you can reap. So we got to be people who sow. Amen. Here's the last thing I want to say before we leave this morning. We serve Jesus for ourselves, but we don't serve Jesus by ourselves. We serve together in community. Because so often, and so many times, we say, as long as I got Jesus, I don't need nobody else. But that's a mistaken theology, because we do need others. And this life that we've been called to, the people we've been called to be, it cannot happen or be accomplished alone. It can only be accomplished in community together. You look at God himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He lives in community himself. So who are we to think that we can dismiss community when it's the very thing that our God has modeled out for us? We've got to live together. Would you pray with me this morning?